Chapter One of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Celine Major. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume Five by Eugène Sue. Chapter One, The Presentation, Part One. A few days after the murder of Madame Serapin the death of the chouette and the arrest of the gang of desperadoes taken by surprise at bras rouge's house rodolph paid another visit to the house in the rue du temple we have already observed that with the view of practising artifice for artifice with jacques ferrand discovering his hidden crimes obliging him to repair them and inflicting condign punishment should the guilty wretch either by skill or hypocrisy continue to evade the just punishment of the laws rodolph had sent to fetch from one of the prisons in germany a young and beautiful creole the unworthy wife of the negro david this female lovely in person as depraved in mind as fascinating as dangerous had reached paris the preceding evening and had received the most minute instructions from baron de groen the reader will recollect that in the last interview between rodolph and madame pipelet the latter having very cleverly managed to propose cecily to madame seraphin as a servant to the notary in place of louise morel her proposition had been so well received that the femme de charge had promised to speak to jacques ferrand on the subject and this she had done in terms most flattering to cecily the very morning of the day on which she madame seraphin had been drowned at the Ile du Ravageur. the motive for rodolph's visit was therefore to inquire the result of cecily's introduction to his great astonishment he found on entering the lodge that although eleven o'clock in the morning had struck by all the neighbouring dials pipelet had not yet risen while anastasie was standing beside his bed offering him some sort of drink as alfred whose forehead and eyes were entirely concealed beneath his huge cotton nightcap did not reply to his wife's inquiries she concluded he slept and therefore closed the curtains of his bed turning around she perceived rodolph and as usual gave him a military salute by lifting the back of her left hand up to her wig ah my king of lodgers service to you how are you as for me i'm upset bewildered stupefied pretty doings have there been in the house since you was here and my poor alfred obliged to keep his bed ever since yesterday why what has happened positively don't you guess still going on in the old way with the monster of a painter who is more bitter than ever against alfred he has quite muddled his brains till i declare i don't know what to do with him cabrion again oh he'll never leave off he must be the very devil really monsieur rodolphe i shall very soon think so for he always knows the very instant i quit the house scarcely is my back turned and there he is in the twinkling of an eye worrying and tormenting my poor old dear of a husband who is as helpless and frightened as a babby only last night when i had just stepped out as far as m ferrand's the notary's ah there's pretty work there too but cecily said rodolph with some little impatience i call to know hold hard my king of lodgers don't be in such a hurry or you'll put me out and i've such a deal to tell you i don't know when i shall have done and if once i'm interrupted in a story i never know when to begin again there now go on as fast as you can i'm listening well then first and foremost what do you think has happened in the house 
ah you'll never guess so i'll tell you only imagine old mother burette's been taken up what the female pawnbroker oh lord she seems to have had a curious mixture of trades for besides being a money-lender she was a receiver of stolen goods a melter of gold and silver a fortune-teller a cheat a dealer in second-hand clothes and any sort of contraband articles the worst of the story is that monsieur bras rouge her old sweetheart and our principal lodger is also arrested i tell you the house is thoroughly upset with these strange doings arrested bras rouge arrested that he was i can promise you why even his mischievous little imp of a son the lame boy we call tortillard has also been locked up they say that lots of murders have been planned and managed at his house which was the well-known resort of a gang of ruffians that the chouette one of mother burette's most particular friends had been strangled and that if assistance had not arrived in time mother mathieu the dealer in precious stones for whom morel worked would also have been murdered come i think there's a pretty penworth of news for you and cheap too at the price bras rouge arrested and the chouette dead murmured rodolph to himself in deep astonishment at the tidings well the vile old hag deserved her fate and poor fleur-de-marie is at least avenged so that is the state of things here continued anastasie as for monsieur cabrion and his devil's tricks i'll tell you all about it oh you never knew such a bold howdacious willin as he is but you shall hear i'll go straight on with my story but there never no there never was his feller for imperance so when mother burette was took up and we heard how that monsieur bras rouge our principal lodger was quaddled also i says to my old boy alfred darling says i you must toddle off to the landlord and let him know as monsieur bras rouge is in the stone jug well alfred goes but in about two hours time back he comes in such a state such a state white as a sheet and puffing like an ox why what was the matter i'm a-going to tell you i suppose monsieur rodolph you recollect the high wall about ten steps from here well my poor dear darling husband was going along thinking of nothing when quite by chance he just looked upon this wall and what do you think he saw written in great staring letters with a piece of charcoal why pipelet and cabrion the two names joined together by a sort of true lover's knot ah oh, it is true that true lover's knot which sticks so tight in the gizzard of my poor old chick that sight rather upset him but still he tried to act like a man and not mind it so on he went but hardly had he proceeded ten steps farther when on the principal entrance to the temple there again were the same hateful words pipelet and cabrion united as before still he walked on but at every turn he saw the same detestable writing on the walls doors and even shutters of houses everywhere pipelet and cabrion danced before his eyes forever bound in the same tender tie of love or friendship my poor dear alfred's head began to turn around and his eyes to grow dizzy 
all sorts of horrid objects seemed to meet him and laugh him to scorn he fancied the very people in the streets were laughing at him so quite confused and ashamed he pulled his hat over his face and took the road towards the boulevards believing that the scamp cabrion would have confined his abominations to the rue du temple but no not he all along the boulevards wherever a blank spot remained or a place could be found to hold the words had he written pipelet and cabrion sometimes adding till death at last my poor dear man arrived at the house of the landlord but so bewildered and stupefied that after hammering and stammering and bodgering about without being able to utter a clear sentence the landlord having tried for nearly half an hour to bring him sufficiently to his senses to say what had made him come to his house got quite in a passion and called him a stupid old fool and told him to go home and send his wife or somebody who could speak common sense well poor dear alfred left as he was ordered thinking at any rate he would return by a different road so as to escape those dreadful words that had so overcome him going do you believe he could get rid of them though no there they were large as life scrawled upon every place and united by the lover's band as before what pipelet and cabrion still written along the walls precisely so my king of lodgers the end of it was that my poor darling came home to me regularly brain-struck talked in the wildest and most desperate way of leaving france exiling himself for ever and no one knows what well i persuaded him to tell me all that had happened then i did my best to quiet him and persuade him not to worry himself about such a beggar as that cabrion and when i found he had grown a little calmer i left him and went to take cecily to the notary's before i proceeded on to the landlord to finish poor alfred's message now perhaps you think i've done but i haven't though no i had hardly quitted the place than that abominable cabrion who must have watched me out sent a couple of impudent great creatures who pursued alfred with the most determined villainy oh bless you it makes my very hair stand on end when i think of it i'll tell you all about their proceedings another time let me first finish about the notary well off i started with cecily in a hackney coach as you told me to do you know she was dressed in her pretty costume of a german peasant for having only just arrived she had not had time to procure any other which i was to explain to m ferrand and beg of him to excuse you may believe me or not just as you please my king of lodgers but though i have seen some pretty girls in my time myself for instance yet i never saw one not even myself comparable to cecily and then she has such a way of using those wicked black eyes of hers she throws into them a look a look that seems to mean i know not what only they seem to pierce you through and make you feel so strange i never saw such eyes in my life why there's my poor dear darling alfred whose virtue has never been suspected well the first time that she fixed her looks on him the dear fellow turned as red as a carrot and nothing in the world could have induced him to gaze in her face a second time 
i'm sure for more than an hour afterwards he kept fidgeting about in his chair as though he were sitting upon nettles he told me afterwards he could not account for it but that somehow the look cecily bestowed on him seemed to bring to his thoughts all the dreadful stories that shameless bradamanti used to tell about the female savages and which used to make my poor dear simpleton of an alfred blush to his very fingers ends but i want to hear what passed at the notary's never mind alfred's modesty just now but tell me i was just going monsieur rodolphe it was just seven o'clock in the evening when we arrived at monsieur ferrand's and i told the porter to let his master know that madame pipelet was there with the young woman she had spoke to madame seraphin about and by whose orders she had brought her upon which the porter heaved a deep sigh and asked me if i knew what had happened to madame seraphin i told him no i hadn't heard of anything being the matter with her ah monsieur rodolphe prepare for another strange event a most astounding circumstance what can it be why madame seraphin was drowned while on a party of pleasure to which she had gone with her relations drowned and on a party of pleasure in the winter exclaimed rodolphe much surprised yes drowned monsieur rodolphe for my part i must say that i was more astonished than distressed at the news for since that affair of poor louise who was taken to prison entirely through her information i downright hated madame seraphin so when i heard what had befallen her all i did was say to myself oh she's drowned is she drowned well i don't mean to make myself ill with crying that's for sure i shan't die of grief that's my disposition and m ferrand the porter said at first he did not think i could see his master and begged me to wait in his lodge while he went to sea but he almost directly came back to fetch me we crossed the courtyard and entered an apartment on the ground floor where a single miserable candle was twinkling its best to light it but without success the notary was sitting beside the fireplace and on the hearth a few smouldering ashes still sent out a small degree of warmth but such a wretched hole i never saw it was my first view of m ferrand oh my stars what a downright ugly fellow he is such a man as he might have offered to make the queen of arabia before i would have played alfred false and tell me did the notary appear much struck with cecily when she entered why how can any one tell what he thinks while he keeps those great green spectacles on besides a godly saint such as he passes for has no business to know whether a woman is handsome or ugly however when we both walked into the room and stood before him he gave quite a spring up from his seat most likely he was astonished at cecily's dress for she looked for all the world only a hundred thousand times better like one of those by a broom girls with her short petticoats and her handsome legs set off by her blue stockings with red clocks my conscience what a leg she has such a slender ankle and then oh such a calf with a foot as small and delicate as an opera dancer's i can tell you that the notary seemed almost speechless with surprise after he had looked at her through his green specks from head to toe doubtless as you say he was struck by the whimsicality of cecily's costume 
well maybe so however i felt that the critical moment had arrived and began to feel rather queer fortunately just as my courage began to fail me monsieur rodolph i recollected a maxim i learned from you and that got me safe through my difficulty what maxim do you mean i don't remember teaching you any don't you know it is always enough for one to wish for the other to refuse or for one to desire for the other to be unwilling so i said to myself here goes to rid my king of lodgers of his german niece and to burthen the hard-hearted master of poor louise with her now then for a good piece of shamming and without giving the notary breathing time i began by saying in a polite and insinuating tone i hope sir you'll excuse my niece being dressed as she is but she has only just arrived and has brought nothing with her but the costume of her country and i am sure it don't lay in my power to provide her with others and besides it would not be worth while since we have merely called to thank you for having allowed madame seraphin to say you would see cecily in consequence of the favourable character i had given her still sir i don't think after all she would suit you capital madame pipelet go on and why so inquired the notary who had established himself by the warmest corner of the fire and seemed to be looking very attentively at us from over his green spectacles why should you suppose your niece not likely to suit me because sir cecily is already quite homesick she has only been here for three days and yet she wants to go back and so she says she will too if she is obliged to beg her way or sing songs and sell little brooms like the rest of her countrywomen but bless me answered m ferrand do you who are her principal relation mean to allow of that i don't see how i am to hinder her sir said i certainly i am the nearest relation she has for the poor thing is an orphan as i told good madame seraphin but then she is twenty years of age and of course mistress of her own actions stuff and nonsense interrupted he quite impatiently don't tell me about being her own mistress at her time of life she is bound to obey her relations and take their advice in all things upon which cecily began to cry and to creep up to me all of a tremble as if she was quite afraid of the notary and what said jacques ferrand further oh he kept muttering in a grumbling tone a young creature at that age left to her own guidance why it would be the ruin of her and as for begging her way back to germany a pretty idea and you mean to call yourself her aunt and to say that you would sanction such conduct all right says i to myself you are falling into the trap as neat as ninepence you miserly old hunks and if i do not saddle you with cecily my name is not what it is yes cried i in a discontented voice i'm her aunt sure enough and worse luck to me for having such an encumbrance i have difficulty enough to earn my bread without having a great overgrown girl like that to take it out of my mouth and i would much rather she went back to her own country than stop here to be a burthen to me the deuce take people who can't manage to maintain their own children but just send them for others to work for and keep without even so much as paying their travelling expenses 
and then as if cecily were up to my schemes and desirous of playing into my hands she burst out into such a fit of crying and sobbing as quite touched the notary who began in a sniffling whining tone as though preaching a sermon let me tell you that you are accountable before providence for the charge he has entrusted to your care and keeping and you are answerable for any false step this poor girl may take now i am willing to join you in a charitable action and if your niece will promise me to be honest industrious virtuous pious and above all never upon any occasion to desire to leave the house i will take pity on her and receive her into my service no no said cecily crying more violently than ever i don't want to stop here with this gentleman i wish to go back to my home and i will too Aha! thought rodolph her dangerous falsehood has not deserted her the depraved creature has evidently fully comprehended the instructions she received from baron de Groen. then speaking aloud the prince continued did cecily's resistance appear to displease m jacques ferrand yes monsieur rodolph it seemed to make him as savage as could be and he muttered something between his teeth i could not make out then he said abruptly it is not what you would prefer young woman but what is most suitable and creditable that is to be considered providence will not forsake you so long as you conduct yourself respectably and virtuously and carefully attend to your religious duties you will be here in a family as pious as it is strict in all such matters and if your aunt has any real regard for your welfare she will take advantage of my offer your wages will be trifling at first but hereafter i may be induced to increase them should your good behaviour render you deserving of encouragement bravo thinks i to myself i've regularly hooked the miser and fixed him with cecily as right as a trivet why you old curmudgeon you old skinflint you miserable hard-hearted old hypocrite you know very well that seraphine was your slave for years and yet you seem to have forgotten her death and the dreadful manner of it as much as though nothing had happened then i said out loud no doubt sir yours is a very good place and one as many would be thankful to have but if this girl is so homesick what am i to do oh take no notice of it replied the notary it will soon wear away but make up your minds just say one way or the other if you decide upon your niece entering my service bring her here to-morrow evening at the same hour you came to-night and my porter will show her about the premises and also explain her work to her as for her wages i shall begin with twenty francs a month and her food oh sir i hope you will make it twenty-five francs twenty is really too little no no not at present by and by perhaps i may if i am satisfied one thing however i must impress upon you and that is that your niece will never go beyond these walls neither will she be allowed to receive any visitors bless your heart sir who could come to see her why she does not know a single soul in paris except myself and i am obliged to stay at home to mind my lodge i have been terribly put about to come out this evening so you will see nothing of me and as for my niece she will be as great a stranger to me as though she was in her own country and the best way to prevent her going out will be to make her wear the costume of her country she could not venture in the streets dressed in that manner 
you are quite right replied the notary it is besides always respectable to wear the dress of our own country your niece shall therefore continue to dress as she now is come my girl said i to cecily who with her head hanging down and her finger in the corner of her mouth was keeping up a continual weeping come make up your mind a good place with a worthy master is not to be found every day so if you choose to refuse it do but don't look to me for any further support i'll have nothing to do with you i can tell you upon which cecily swelling as though her heart would burst replied sobbing very well then if aunt was so particular she should stay but only on condition that if she did not find herself comfortable she might come away at the end of a fortnight don't be alarmed answered the notary i shall not force you to stop against your will i can promise you there are too many young persons would be thankful to have my situation but i pity your position as an orphan and therefore give you the preference there take your earnest money and let your aunt bring you here about this time to-morrow evening cecily was too busy crying to take the two francs piece the old starved mouse offered so i took it for her we made our courtesies and came away you have managed admirably madame pipelet and i do not forget my promise here's what i promised you if you manage to get this girl taken off my hands wait till to-morrow before you give it me my king of lodgers cried madame pipelet putting back the money rodolph offered her perhaps when i go to take cecily this evening monsieur ferrand may have changed his mind not he depend upon it but where is she in the small room adjoining the apartments of the commandant she will not stir out after the orders you gave she seems mild and gentle as a lamb but then her eyes oh dear it is difficult to fancy her either one or the other when one looks at those talking of the commandant what a plotting mysterious person he is would you believe it when he came here to superintend the packing up of his furniture he told me that if any letters came addressed to madame vincent they were for him and that i was to send them to the rue mondine number five the idea of the pretty creature having his letters addressed as if for a female what a conceited jackanapes he is but the best of it was he asked me what had become of his wood your wood said i why don't you ask after your forest when you are about it oh i said it so flat and plain a mean grasping hound to trouble himself to ask after two pitiful loads of wood his wood indeed what has become of your wood repeated i still working him on till he got quite white with passion why i burnt it to keep your things from the damp which would otherwise have made mushrooms grow upon your fine embroidered cap and the mildew from rotting your smart glittering robe de chambre which you must love so dearly because you have put it on so many times when you were fool enough to wait for those who never meant to come but were only laughing at you like the lady who made believe she was going to pay you a visit and then passed your door though you had set it wide open to show yourself decked in all your finery your wood indeed i like that you poor squeeze penny of a commandant enough to disgust one with men altogether 
End of chapter one, part one. Read by Celine Major.